This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning! Good morning! Merry Christmas! I am wearing a sweater that has no words on it, but does it not scream Merry Christmas Petaluma? Like, <laughs> I'm like a commercial for Amazon Prime. I have shopping left to do. I'm totally counting on Amazon still. That's probably not wise. Um, But Amazon, bless their hearts, they have everything. (laughs) And also, I feel like Jess says, joy to the world. I loved that arrangement this morning. I think that song breathes joy in. And sometimes we have the ability to pass our various vibes and aromas to each other. So this is maybe a little granola. I don't know if that's the right word, but I just, part of the beauty of being part of a community, whether it's your first time in this room with this community or not, is that when people get together, there is a synergistic thing that happens. And some of us are walking in this door and need joy this Christmas because it is not dwelling inside of us. And some of us are fully tapped into the joy that is Christmas. So I am just going to suggest for just a moment, I am going to breathe joy out. And if you feel joy, join me in the breathing out. And if you need joy, inhale deeply. And let's just pretend that germs are not passed this way, shall we? As I'm saying, I'm like, hmm, okay, well, hold your breath if you need to. All right, I just share what you have or receive what you need. Joy to the world. Merry Christmas from my heart, my gut, my soul to yours. May this Christmas season touch you in a unique way. And for some of us, I know that's not going to be the most joyful Christmas season, but this will be a Christmas that you remember. And in that, I pray that you remember this sensation of being with other human beings who are on a messy journey across the entire spectrum, but who walk together. Joy. Good morning. Oh. I love you guys. Merry Christmas. We are wrapping up a series called God With Us. And part of what we just did is an expression of that, that each of us carries in us the image of God. And when we are together, we reflect that to each other. We have the opportunity to reflect that to each other. And sometimes we do that better than others. But we have the opportunity to reflect that to each other. So some of what we are doing here this morning is just a tangible representation of God with us in this room available to us. And if there was anything that I would wish for you this Christmas, it is that you would experience that sensation that whether it is true is not the same thing as feeling it, that I would wish for you, whether in joy or in pain, in struggle or in celebration, that you would feel God with you this Christmas. 
So this is the fourth teaching in this, and I'd like to walk back just a little bit through it in order to set us up for what we're doing today. So the entire series is based on a passage in the story of Jesus's life where God nicknames Jesus. So in Matthew 1, there's a verse that says, a virgin will become pregnant. Do we have that verse? It's coming. Okay, I I will do my best to quote it. A virgin will become pregnant. And in verse 21, they say, and please name him Jesus. That is the chosen name for him. Name this baby that is born in this immaculate way. Name this baby Jesus. But the people will call him Emmanuel. And this is the first year that I have tapped into a reality that is in that Bible verse I've never seen before. That lots of us have a given name that we're called, but then we have a nickname that reflects something about us, that is the way that people view us. And so in this case, God already knew when the baby arrives, they're going to name him Jesus. That will be his given name. And yet the people will call him Emmanuel. And then God just makes sure and defines that just so that you know, here's why they're going to call him Emmanuel. Because Emmanuel means God with us. And on the surface, the story of Christmas is the story of God coming in human form, in the form of Jesus, and being with his people. But what we have talked about in this series is the idea that God has always been for us. But Christmas was a huge plot twist in the story of humanity's interaction with God, where now God is with us not just standing on the side, being for us and cheerleading for us, but God is now with us. And we've talked about four different ways in which that was the case. In part one, we talked about God being with us in our neighborhood. And the lesson that we learned from that is that love never chooses to love from afar when it can draw near. That God chose to change his address at Christmas and come into our neighborhood. And then in part two, we talked about God being with us in our humanity. And this one just blew my mind. Ron taught this one. But this is the first time that I had ever considered the fact that God wanted to be like us. That we were made in his image. And yet at Christmas, it marks the idea that God actually wanted to experience humanity in a way that he hadn't before, that he had created humanity, but he was apart from it. And Christmas is where the story takes this huge plot twist, and God now actually wanted to be like us in our humanity. And the lesson that we walked away from that one was that love never chooses to love from above, we can actually be side by side in a shared experience. And then last week, we talked about God being with us in our sin. And this is the major story, the dominant narrative of the entire Christian religion is this idea that God shared with us in our suffering. And the lesson we walked away from that one is that love chooses to suffer when it knows personal sacrifice will take away the suffering of others. This is the heart of the Christian narrative and is wholly separated from every other religion on the planet. It's amazing. Today we want to talk about, we're going to wrap this series up with talking about Jesus is the symbol of God being with us on our journey. And the takeaway we want from today is that love chooses acceptance over agreement. 
And boy, this is a lesson we could use in our applications with each other's lives. <laughs> we struggle to accept what we do not agree with. But if you ever want to consider the discrepancy between two parties who disagree, but somehow found a way to find acceptance of each other, it is the story of a divine and perfect God choosing to accept humanity in the state that we're in. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. But in order to do that, I want to walk down a history lesson for a bit. And for those of you who like history, you're going to love this. It's so fun. Like, we're going to literally start in Genesis and walk all the way through the story of humanity. For the rest of you, you need to hold on for, maybe, like, I don't know, five minutes. <laughs> hold on. So God has actually always journeyed with his people. Christmas is a huge in this. <laughs> Did I break it? Are we still, okay, I got a thumbs up in the back. <laughs> um, Christmas is a huge plot twist in this idea of God journeying with us, but actually the story of God's interaction with humanity has always included this concept of journeying together. At Christmas, he just changed how he did that. So the Christian narrative begins with the story of the Garden of Eden, where the Bible says that God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve was physically present. He journeyed with them in the Garden of Eden. And then after the Garden of Eden, I'm jumping quite some distance in the history books, you pop forward to a time when the Israelite nation, which the Bible refers to as God's chosen people, these were the group of people that he wanted to demonstrate to the entire world, here's what interaction with God looks like. So he has earmarked the Israelite nation as the chosen people, and they are a nomadic people. And during the time when they are traveling all over Timbuktu, actually, they weren't too far from Timbuktu. It's like, that's not that far off. <laughs> when they were traveling all over the place, God journeyed with them. And the Bible says that during the day, he traveled with them in a pillar of cloud to mark their way, and at nighttime, a pillar of fire. He literally journeyed with them. In addition, they had like a traveling church tent called a tabernacle, and he also made himself available to the people inside that tabernacle. I am sorry if I am doing that. I'll try not to pierce your eardrums today. God journeyed with his people through their entire nomadic journey. Well, then they finally set up an actual uh, home base. They, they designate Jerusalem as the capital city, and they build a temple. And God existed. He, he brought his presence into the Holy of Holies inside of that temple, which allowed his presence to be available to anybody that wanted to come journey to the temple and hang out with him. The thing is, this was revolutionary in the pantheon of gods that were worshipped during this time in history. This is nothing like any of the other stories of how the gods would interact with people. In fact, you wouldn't necessarily want to near, draw near to any of those gods because the general narrative about gods uh, was that they would either stand back and disapprove and zap you, or they would stand back, approve, and bless you. Like that, you didn't necessarily want to be in the presence of those gods. But at this point, God is trying to establish, I'm like no other God that exists in the human, uh, in the human narrative, in the human story. 
I am a personal God who journeys with you. And so this idea of a temple where the presence of God would hang out and you could come and sit in his presence was this revolutionary concept. But it has always been that God would journey with his people. So when you fast forward, again, take a leap to the Christmas story in the history of humanity's interactions with God, here is another major plot twist where God says, listen, I know I've always journeyed with you. I've always been for you. As a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire, I guided you in your path through the wilderness. I've made myself available for you to be in my presence to receive comfort or to receive guidance. But this baby Jesus, this is a major plot twist of how I want to interact with you. Now you have the ability to come visit him for the Israelite nation. Their proximity would have allowed them to come visit him. But also now you can interact. Here is a, a, a format of me. That's not the right word. But uh, what is that word I want? <laughs> A version of me, that God became a man in order for humanity to interact, to show what God was like in human form. This was a major upgrade and again, a radical plot twist from what they expected. They had known to look for a savior. They had known that God was going to send an ambassador to the earth and they did not recognize him because it was nothing like they expected God to be. And then I'm going to go one step further in this history lesson, and then I'm going to pop back. Jesus, when he left earth, said, it's actually better that I go because I'm going to send a helper to you. And it's the Holy Spirit. And the concept is that God now is available to every single one of us. So where God made a plot twist to send Jesus, who was available for interaction and for visitation and to provide counsel and guidance and modeling and all kinds of awesomeness with God coming near... The Holy Spirit was actually going to be an upgrade because now God is available to all of us anywhere at any time in history, not just to the Israelite nation, not just to ancient Israelites, but to anyone at any time. And that plot twist happened when Jesus was born. That was a major alteration. But the Israelite people did not see this coming. They just did not expect Jesus to be what they thought God was going to look like. We've talked through God coming into our neighborhood. For them, they did not expect God to come into their proximity in this way. They thought he would be a military ruler, a political powerhouse. And God came into their proximity as a normal carpenter from Nazareth. They didn't recognize him. They didn't think that God wanted to be like them. That's kind of a radical concept in general. That's, that's kind of a radical concept. But here comes Jesus wanting to get to know them, wanting to interact, being one of the people. That was not what they expected. They did not expect God to pay their debt. They expected God to rescue them from their oppressive uh, political overlords, but they did not understand that he was going to pay their debt. And they certainly could not imagine that God would want to be on their path. And that's what I want to talk about this morning because I actually want to press into, I don't think you and I often view God that much differently than the Israelite nation. That this narrative that they shared about this picture of God seems messy. 
it seems maybe even sacrilegious and some kind of unholy, that how in the world could this holy and perfect and, and glorious God want to share our journey that was outside of the realm of possibility? But for us, it's a similar thing, I think. I think we struggle to view God as journeying with us. So I want to press in a little bit to our concept of God's will, because I think this is where we get trapped just a little bit. For most of us, our picture of God's will looks a little bit like this. Here is my birth, and then this is me, like, walking the straight and narrow, (laughs) and this is where I end, and that's my story And God has plotted it out. There's plot points all along here. And God wants to journey with me. And so God has ordained these plot points. And as long as I stay on these plot points, God wants to journey with me. He has a journey laid out for me. And I love the verse in Jeremiah that says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. I love that verse. But one of the ways I think we interpret that verse is that God is journeying on this plot line that is maybe very uniquely designed for you and mine is uniquely designed for me, but it is a straight and narrow plot line. This is how I think we view most of us God's will. But here is what I think most of us actually feel like we are experiencing, that we start here and maybe we're in alignment with what God's plot lines are, and we click along maybe through childhood doing okay, like staying on the plot points, and then at some point, it's all kinds of off the, off the charts. <laughs> at some point, we veer off of this straight and narrow. At some point, it's obvious. We look up and it's like, hmm, I'm pretty sure this was not what God intended for me to experience because it's not working well. And for most of us, we hold this narrative in such a way that what we try to do at this point is desperately bring ourselves back on to this plot line, that God has this straight and narrow for me, and I got to find my way back there. But I cannot be the only person in this room who gets to this moment and is like, there is no path back. There, I cannot possibly, I'm, I'm divorced. Like, I don't know where I fell off the plot line. Like, I'm assuming here, but maybe it was how I interacted in my first marriage that got me off of here. Maybe this was fine on God's plot point. But by the time you've experienced divorce, it's like, I don't know how to get back on that path. I mean, that's my story. I don't know what your story is, but for some of us, maybe most of us, maybe all of us, when we wake up to the fact that we're off of the plot lines that we were pretty sure God had for us, there is often not a line back to the original will. And it leaves us uncomfortable. What do I do with that? And I think what what a lot of us assume, and maybe we don't actually think this thought, but it's swirling around us is, if this is the path that God picked for me, I'm no longer near God. Like, I, I have traveled away from God. And what I think Christmas says to us is that this narrative is not the narrative that God has about his will. What I see in the story that starts with Jesus's birth, but then carries through Jesus's life and the ways that he interacted with people and taught his followers to interact with people, 
is that here is birth, and that part was God-ordained. That's part of our story that God was like, yes, let's do that. Our birth starts here, and then we begin to journey. And it, it's a journey, <laughs> and it's all over the place. And I think what we miss, maybe, is that Jesus' birth was the ultimate demonstration of God's acceptance. The ultimate demonstration of God saying, I don't have a line that you need to tow. I am traveling with you where you are. That this is not, God is just with us wherever we're going. And if we, I mean, on this story, this is where I went awry on this chart. This looks like this is not going so well. <laughs> but that God is just with us. Here's why I think the Christmas story demonstrates the ultimate set of acceptance rather than agreement. Because I think it demonstrates God's full acceptance of our free will. That he had stood back and he had interacted and guided as best he could, but he could see that we needed a savior. But he accepted our free will and sent us what we needed. It's the acceptance of our free will. I believe it's the acceptance of our context. Okay, here's ancient Israel, and I'm going to send myself, I'm going down as an ambassador to relish in their context. I will be a Jewish man experiencing humanity in this context. It's the ultimate acceptance of our status. I think, isn't life like the ultimate Facebook status and it's complicated? Like, <laughs> it's complicated. I can say that every day of life. And God stepped into it and accepted it. And he didn't walk in and just start boop, 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 like fix, 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 fix. He didn't zap us back onto the line. He accepted our status. He accepted our needs so much so that he took them onto himself. He accepted everything about the people group that he went to. He accepted their path. He's the God of the universe, the creator of all things, and he accepted them crucifying him. That was not the, the plot line. <laughs> like he could have done any number of things, and he accepted the path that they were on. Christmas, the birth of Jesus, is like the ultimate demonstration of acceptance. When you watch Jesus' life, next year in the spring, we're going to spend a honk of time together studying the life of Jesus. It's called Radical Rabbi is the name of that series, and it is radical what God was doing through the life of Jesus. In the grand scheme of humanity, it was a very short period of time. But what God accomplished in that short period of time, while people could watch what Jesus was like, how he thought, how he interacted, is a long-term story that affects us very radically today. We're going to spend massive time pressing into that. But for the purposes of today, I'm just going to walk through a few highlights of that story that just demonstrate this radical acceptance, that it was not about God coming down and getting us into agreement with him. For instance, Jesus comes and he picks followers, 12 people that were stated in the Bible as his apostles. But in the stories, as you read the biographies of Jesus, there was a much broader group of people that were following regularly with him. He did not pick 
people that were teed up to agree with him at all. He had religious zealots in there, and then he had characters that appeared to be fairly religiously apathetic. He had men and women, which was radical, in his close inner circle that traveled with him. He did not come in and start fixing everything and zapping all of the problems. He came in with an invitation. He used conversational influence in their lives to begin to help them see how a path journeyed with God would be a storied and messy and a, and a sacrilegious experience and how just partnering, just the proximity of God with us changes it into this beautiful experience. He used his conversational influence to do that rather than just miraculously fixing all of it. And I don't, man, I don't, for those of you that have read the biographies of Jesus, the disciples play um, a pivotal role in the story of our faith, but throughout their interactions with Jesus, I don't know about you, but I regularly find myself eye-rolling at them. Like, guys, you're, how, how many times has he said this? How can you be this far along in your processes with Jesus and still arguing about who's the most important apostle? Like, how, there's a lot of eye-rolling. But when you watch Jesus interact with them, I get no sense of eye-rolling whatsoever. He just inserts himself into the conversation. He's like, hey, let's talk about that. That's a great question. Sure, that's important. Let's talk about that. If it's on your mind, I want to talk about it. No eye-rolling whatsoever. And I don't know if you've thought about the ramifications of the story of Judas, but if you know the story of Jesus, Judas was one of his closest followers who betrayed him and ended up being the pivotal tool that allowed Jesus to be killed by the religious leaders of the day. You guys, Jesus is God in flesh. Do you think he knew Judas was Judas and was going to play that role before that moment? And he didn't kick him out. Like, would we have kept him in our inner circle? Like, maybe we would have let him follow along. Like, okay, we're traveling. With oh, Judas is still with us. <laughs> Can't get rid of that. I, no. Radical acceptance. The life of Jesus points back to this major plot twist that happens at Christmas, which is this demonstration of acceptance. For us, I don't know what we need in this Christmas series. You, you and I have our own unique journeys. One of the things I know we would all benefit from is this conversation with God about his radical acceptance of us. And for some of us, maybe based on the families that we will be spending the holidays with, we might need a conversation with God about his radical acceptance of Uncle Fred. <laughs> I, I don't know exactly what we need, what face of this we need. But one thing I know we all have in common is that we need to understand that God is with us, not just for us, not just magnetically pulling us back onto his plan, but that God's desire to interact with us in a particular way is demonstrated in the birth of Jesus that points us regularly throughout this holiday season to this idea that God is accepting above agreeing. And that as we interact with our own humanity, our own sacrilegious desires, our own messiness, that God is right in the mix with us, that Jesus, 
little baby Jesus pooping his pants, crying, waking his mom up in the middle of the night, running away when she said, stop, (laughs) disobeying the one, two, three counting business, like messy little Jesus is the perfect example of God joining us in our humanity and not cringing. In fact, relishing. So for us, as this holiday comes up, whether it's just a matter of looking at the baby Jesus whenever he shows up in images, or it's interacting with the Christmas story, or it's interacting with our own sacrilegious, messy humanity, I think the lesson for us this Christmas is that love chooses acceptance over agreement, and it's a game changer. It was a plot twist in the story of God's interaction with humanity, but for us, it's a game changer today as we interact with humanity, but also as we interact with God and that story of Jesus at Christmas. I'd like to pray a prayer of blessing over you as you go out into this Christmas spirit. So if you would like to, you're welcome to just open your hands to receive this. You could also just open your hearts to receive it, but I just want to bless you as you head out there. God, we are your people. Not just the people in this room, not just the people that are affiliated with new life, not just the people that profess any kind of faith. Whether we view the plot line as something to be adhered to or we walk in great intimacy with you from day to day, it doesn't matter. We are your people. We have been lovingly knit together. You have hopes and dreams for us, and they aren't necessarily marching orders for us to go through. You have a picture of this Christmas, and it includes all of the mess. You have a picture of our 2020 year, both as a church body and as individuals. You have a picture, but your picture is one of partnership, not just walking in front of us and guiding us on our path, but actually walking side by side with us and chatting with us as we decide. You have placed skills and passions and desires and experiences, both good and bad, into our beings. And you can't wait to see how we walk it out. You are eager to share your opinion because you're just eager to connect. God, this is a picture of you that we struggle to get in. This is a picture of you that I regularly forget to even ask myself about when I'm sitting in a moment where I'm choosing to accept based on agreement or not. Would you whisper an invitation to us to journey with? Would you tap us on the shoulder in the next few days as we struggle to accept in the moments of disagreement, in the moments of disillusionment, in the moments of the stressful chaos where we have forgotten the purpose of Christmas, would you tap us on the shoulder and whisper an invitation into that journey? And for some of us, we could totally handle assertive friendships. Would you be that assertive friend who invites himself into a moment? Hey, hi, I'm right here. You want to talk? Would you take that initiative in our lives so that we can feel you in this holiday season, that this holiday season would be one marked by the curiosity around our faith and the Christmas story? Would you bless my friends 
we have hopes and dreams for what this Christmas will look like, and I pray your blessing on those things. But the ultimate blessing I wish for them is that they would feel your presence, even if they don't yet know how to recognize it, even if they have a lifetime of experience tapping into your presence, that this Christmas would be one marked by feeling your journeying with them. It's in Jesus' name who even made this bridge possible, this major plot twist. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Merry Christmas. I am wearing a sweater that has no words on it, but does it not scream Merry Christmas, Petaluma? Like, <laughs> you guys, Amazon. I'm like a commercial for Amazon Prime. I have shopping left to do. I'm totally counting on Amazon still. That's probably not wise. Um, but Amazon, bless their hearts, they have everything. <laughs> and also, I feel like Jess says, joy to the world. I loved that arrangement this morning. I think that song breathes joy in. And sometimes we have the ability to pass our various vibes and aromas to each other. So this is maybe a little granola. I don't know if that's the right word, but we're, I, I just part of the beauty of being part of a community, whether it's your first time in this room with this community or not, is that when people get together, there is a synergistic thing that happens. And some of us are walking in this door and need joy this Christmas because it is not dwelling inside of us. And some of us are fully tapped into the joy that is Christmas. So I am just going to suggest for just a moment, I am going to breathe joy out. And if you feel joy, join me in the breathing out. And if you need joy, inhale deeply. And let's just pretend that germs are not passed this way, shall we? <laughs> As I'm saying, I'm like, hmm, okay, well, hold your breath if you need to. All right, I just share what you have or receive what you need. Joy to the world. Merry Christmas from my heart, my gut, my soul to yours. May this Christmas season touch you in a unique way. And for some of us, I know that's not going to be the most joyful Christmas season, but this will be a Christmas that you remember. And in that, I pray that you remember this sensation of being with other human beings who are on a messy journey across the entire spectrum, but who walk together. Joy. Good morning. Oh. I love you guys. Merry Christmas. We are wrapping up a series called God With Us. And part of what we just did is an expression of that, that each of us carries in us the image of God. And when we are together, we reflect that to each other. Or we have the opportunity to reflect that to each other. And sometimes we do that better than others. But we have the opportunity to reflect that to each other. So some of what we are doing here this morning is just a tangible representation of God with us in this room available to us. And if there was anything that I would wish for you this Christmas, it is that you would experience that sensation that whether it is true is not the same thing as feeling it. 
that I would wish for you, whether in joy or in pain, in struggle or in celebration, that you would feel God with you this Christmas. So this is the fourth teaching in this, and I'd like to walk back just a little bit through it in order to set us up for what we're doing today. So the entire series is based on a passage in the story of Jesus's life where God nicknames Jesus. So in Matthew 1, there's a verse that says, a virgin will become pregnant. Do we have that verse? It's coming. Okay, I I will do my best to quote it. A virgin will become pregnant. And in verse 21, they say, and please name him Jesus. That is the chosen name for him. Name this baby that is born in this immaculate way. Name this baby Jesus. But the people will call him Emmanuel. And this is the first year that I have tapped into a reality that is in that Bible verse I've never seen before. That lots of us have a given name that we're called, but then we have a nickname that reflects something about us, that is the way that people view us. And so in this case, God already knew when the baby arrives, they're going to name him Jesus. That will be his given name. And yet, the people will call him Emmanuel. And then God just makes sure and defines that just so that you know, here's why they're going to call him Emmanuel. Because Emmanuel means God with us. And on the surface, the story of Christmas is the story of God coming in human form, in the form of Jesus, and being with his people. But what we have talked about in this series is the idea that God has always been for us. But Christmas was a huge plot twist in the story of humanity's interaction with God, where now God is with us, not just standing on the side, being for us and cheerleading for us, but God is now with us. And we've talked about four different ways in which that was the case. In part one, we talked about God being with us in our neighborhood. And the lesson that we learned from that is that love never chooses to love from afar when it can draw near. That God chose to change his address at Christmas and come into our neighborhood. And then in part two, we talked about God being with us in our humanity. And this one just blew my mind. Ron taught this one. But this is the first time that I had ever considered the fact that God wanted to be like us that we were made in his image, and yet at Christmas, it marks the idea that God actually wanted to experience humanity in a way that he hadn't before, that he had created humanity, but he was apart from it. And Christmas is where the story takes this huge plot twist, and God now actually wanted to be like us in our humanity. And the lesson that we walked away from that one was that love never chooses to love from above, we can actually be side by side in a shared experience. And then last week, we talked about God being with us in our sin. And this is the major story, the dominant narrative of the entire Christian religion, is this idea that God shared with us in our suffering. And the lesson we walked away from that one is that love chooses to suffer when it knows personal sacrifice will take away the suffering of others. This is the heart of the Christian narrative and is wholly separated from every other religion on the planet. It's amazing. Today we want to talk about, we're going to wrap this series up with talking about Jesus is the symbol of God being with us on our journey. 
And the takeaway we want from today is that love chooses acceptance over agreement. And boy, this is a lesson we could use in our applications with each other's lives. <laughs> we struggle to accept what we do not agree with. But if you ever want to consider the discrepancy between two parties who disagree, but somehow found a way to find acceptance of each other, it is the story of a divine and perfect God choosing to accept humanity in the state that we're in. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. But in order to do that, I want to walk down a history lesson for a bit. And for those of you who like history, you're going to love this. This is so fun. Like, we're going to literally start in Genesis and walk all the way through the story of humanity. For the rest of you, you need to hold on for, like, I don't know, five minutes. <laughs> hold on. So God has actually always journeyed with his people. Christmas is a huge Did I break it? Are we still, okay, I got a thumbs up in the back. <laughs> um, Christmas is a huge plot twist in this idea of God journeying with us. But actually, the story of God's interaction with humanity has always included this concept of journeying together. At Christmas, he just changed how he did that. So the Christian narrative begins with the story of the Garden of Eden, where the Bible says that God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve was physically present. He journeyed with them in the Garden of Eden. And then after the Garden of Eden, I'm jumping quite some distance in the history books, you pop forward to a time when the Israelite nation, which the Bible refers to as God's chosen people, these were the group of people that he wanted to demonstrate to the entire world, here's what interaction with God looks like. So he has earmarked the Israelite nation as the chosen people, and they are a nomadic people. And during the time when they are traveling all over Timbuktu, actually, they weren't too far from Timbuktu. It's like, that's not that far off. <laughs> when they were traveling all over the place, God journeyed with them. And the Bible says that during the day, he traveled with them in a pillar of cloud to mark their way, and at nighttime, a pillar of fire. He literally journeyed with them. In addition, they had like a traveling church tent called a tabernacle, and he also made himself available to the people inside that tabernacle. I am sorry if I am doing that. I'll try not to pierce your eardrums today. God journeyed with his people through their entire nomadic journey. Well, then they finally set up an actual uh, home base. They, they designate Jerusalem as a capital city, and they build a temple. And God existed. He, he brought his presence into the Holy of Holies inside of that temple, which allowed his presence to be available to anybody that wanted to come journey to the temple and hang out with him. The thing is, this was revolutionary in the pantheon of gods that were worshipped during this time in history. This is nothing like any of the other stories of how the gods would interact with people. In fact, you wouldn't necessarily want to near, draw near to any of those gods because the general narrative about gods uh, was that they would either stand back and disapprove and zap you, or they would stand back, approve, and bless you. Like that, you didn't necessarily want to be in the presence of those gods. But at this point, God is trying to establish, I'm like no other God that exists in the human, uh, in the human narrative, in the human story. 
I am a personal God who journeys with you. And so this idea of a temple where the presence of God would hang out and you could come and sit in his presence was this revolutionary concept. But it has always been that God would journey with his people. So when you fast forward, again, take a leap to the Christmas story in the history of humanity's interactions with God, here is another major plot twist where God says, listen, I know I've always journeyed with you. I've always been for you. As a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire, I guided you in your path through the wilderness. I've made myself available for you to be in my presence to receive comfort or to receive guidance. But this baby Jesus This is a major plot twist of how I want to interact with you. Now you have the ability to come visit him. For the Israelite nation, their proximity would have allowed them to come visit him. But also now you can interact. Here is a a format of me. That's not the right word. But what is that word I want? (laughs) a version of me, that God became a man in order for humanity to interact, to show what God was like in human form. This was a major upgrade and again, a radical plot twist from what they expected. They had known to look for a savior. They had known that God was going to send an ambassador to the earth and they did not recognize him because it was nothing like they expected God to be. And then I'm going to go one step further in this history lesson, and then I'm going to pop back. Jesus, when he left earth, said, it's actually better that I go because I'm going to send a helper to you. And it's the Holy Spirit. And the concept is that God now is available to every single one of us. So where God made a plot twist to send Jesus, who was available for interaction and for visitation and to provide counsel and guidance and modeling and all kinds of awesomeness with God coming near... The Holy Spirit was actually going to be an upgrade because now God is available to all of us anywhere at any time in history, not just to the Israelite nation, not just to ancient Israelites, but to anyone at any time. And that plot twist happened when Jesus was born. That was a major alteration. But the Israelite people did not see this coming. They just did not expect Jesus to be what they thought God was going to look like. We've talked through God coming into our neighborhood. For them, they did not expect God to come into their proximity in this way. They thought he would be a military ruler, a political powerhouse. And God came into their proximity as a normal carpenter from Nazareth. They didn't recognize him. They didn't think that God wanted to be like them. That's kind of a radical concept in general. That's that's kind of a radical concept. But here comes Jesus wanting to get to know them, wanting to interact, being one of the people. That was not what they expected. They did not expect God to pay their debt. They expected God to rescue them from their oppressive Uh, political overlords, but they did not understand that he was going to pay their debt. And they certainly could not imagine that God would want to be on their path. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, because I actually want to press into, I don't think you and I often view God that much differently than the Israelite nation. That this narrative that they shared about this picture of God seems messy. 
it seems maybe even sacrilegious and some kind of unholy that how in the world could this holy and perfect and, and glorious God want to share our journey that was outside of the realm of possibility? But for us, it's a similar thing, I think. I think we struggle to view God as journeying with us. So I want to press in a little bit to our concept of God's will, because I think this is where we get trapped just a little bit. For most of us, our picture of God's will looks a little bit like this. Here is my birth, and then this is me, like, walking the straight and narrow, (laughs) and this is where I end, and that's my story, and God has plotted it out. There's plot points all along here, and God wants to journey with me, and so God has ordained these plot points, and as long as I stay on these plot points, God wants to journey with me. He has a journey laid out for me. And I love the verse in Jeremiah that says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord's Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. I love that verse. But one of the ways I think we interpret that verse is that God is journeying on this plot line that is maybe very uniquely designed for you and mine is uniquely designed for me, but it is a straight and narrow plot line. This is how I think we view most of us God's will. But here is what I think most of us actually feel like we are experiencing, that we start here and maybe we're in alignment with what God's plot lines are, and we click along maybe through childhood doing okay, like staying on the plot points, and then at some point, it's all kinds of off the, off the charts. <laughs> at some point, we veer off of this straight and narrow. At some point, it's obvious. We look up and it's like, hmm, I'm pretty sure this was not what God intended for me to experience because it's not working well. And for most of us, we hold this narrative in such a way that what we try to do at this point is desperately bring ourselves back on to this plot line, that God has this straight and narrow for me, and I got to find my way back there. But I cannot be the only person in this room who gets to this moment and is like, there is no path back. There, I cannot possibly, I'm, I'm divorced. Like, I don't know where I fell off the plot line. Like, I'm assuming here, but maybe it was how I interacted in my first marriage that got me off of here. Maybe this was fine on God's plot point. But by the time you've experienced divorce, it's like, I don't know how to get back on that path. I mean, that's my story. I don't know what your story is, but for some of us, maybe most of us, maybe all of us, when we wake up to the fact that we're off of the plot lines that we were pretty sure God had for us, there is often not a line back to the original will. And it leaves us uncomfortable. What do I do with that? And I think what what a lot of us assume, and maybe we don't actually think this thought, but it's swirling around us is, if this is the path that God picked for me, I'm no longer near God. Like, I I have traveled away from God. And what I think Christmas says to us is that this narrative is not the narrative that God has about his will. What I see in the story that starts with Jesus' birth but then carries through Jesus' life and the ways that he interacted with people and taught his followers to interact with people 
is that here is birth, and that part was God-ordained. That's part of our story that God was like, yes, let's do that. Our birth starts here, and then we begin to journey. And it, it's a journey, <laughs> and it's all over the place. And I think what we miss maybe is that Jesus' birth was the ultimate demonstration of God's acceptance. The ultimate demonstration of God saying, I don't have a line that you need to tow. I am traveling with you where you are. That this is not, God is just with us wherever we're going. And if we, I mean, on this story, this is where I went awry. On this chart, this looks like this is not going so well. <laughs> but that God is just with us. Here's why I think the Christmas story demonstrates the ultimate set of acceptance rather than agreement. Because I think it demonstrates God's full acceptance of our free will. That he had stood back and he had interacted and guided as best he could, but he could see that we needed a savior. But he accepted our free will and sent us what we needed. It's the acceptance of our free will. I believe it's the acceptance of our context. Okay, here's ancient Israel, and I'm going to send myself, I'm going down as an ambassador to relish in their context. I will be a Jewish man experiencing humanity in this context. It's the ultimate acceptance of our status. I think, isn't life like the ultimate Facebook status of it's complicated? Like, <laughs> it's complicated. I can say that every day of life. And God stepped into it and accepted it. And he didn't walk in and just start boop, 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 like fix, 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 fix. He didn't zap us back onto the line. He accepted our status. He accepted our needs so much so that he took them onto himself. He accepted everything about the people group that he went to. He accepted their path. He's the God of the universe, the creator of all things, and he accepted them crucifying him. That was not the, the plot line. <laughs> like he could have done any number of things, and he accepted the path that they were on. Christmas, the birth of Jesus, is like the ultimate demonstration of acceptance. When you watch Jesus' life, next year in the spring, we're going to spend a honk of time together studying the life of Jesus. It's called Radical Rabbi is the name of that series, and it is radical what God was doing through the life of Jesus. In the grand scheme of humanity, it was a very short period of time. But what God accomplished in that short period of time, while people could watch what Jesus was like, how he thought, how he interacted, is a long-term story that affects us very radically today. We're going to spend massive time pressing into that. But for the purposes of today, I'm just going to walk through a few highlights of that story that just demonstrate this radical acceptance, that it was not about God coming down and getting us into agreement with him. For instance, Jesus comes and he picks followers, 12 people that were stated in the Bible as his apostles. But in the stories, as you read the biographies of Jesus, there was a much broader group of people that were following regularly with him. He did not pick 
people that were teed up to agree with him at all. He had religious zealots in there, and then he had characters that appeared to be fairly religiously apathetic. He had men and women, which was radical, in his close inner circle that traveled with him. He did not come in and start fixing everything and zapping all of the problems. He came in with an invitation. He used conversational influence in their lives to begin to help them see how a path journeyed with God would be a storied and messy and a, and a sacrilegious experience and how just partnering, just the proximity of God with us changes it into this beautiful experience. He used his conversational influence to do that rather than just miraculously fixing all of it. And I don't, man, I don't, for those of you that have read the biographies of Jesus, the disciples play um, a pivotal role in the story of our faith, but throughout their interactions with Jesus, I don't know about you, but I regularly find myself eye-rolling at them. Like, guys, you're, how, how many times has he said this? How can you be this far along in your processes with Jesus and still arguing about who's the most important apostle? Like, how, there's a lot of eye-rolling. But when you watch Jesus interact with them, I get no sense of eye-rolling whatsoever. He just inserts himself into the conversation. He's like, hey, let's talk about that. That's a great question. Sure, that's important. Let's talk about that. If it's on your mind, I want to talk about it. No eye-rolling whatsoever. And I don't know if you've thought about the ramifications of the story of Judas, but if you know the story of Jesus, Judas was one of his closest followers who betrayed him and ended up being the pivotal tool that allowed Jesus to be killed by the religious leaders of the day. You guys, Jesus is God in flesh. Do you think he knew Judas was Judas and was going to play that role before that moment? And he didn't kick him out. Like, would we have kept him in our inner circle? Like, maybe we would have let him follow along. Like, okay, we're traveling. The, oh, Judas is still with us. <laughs> Can't get rid of that. I, no. Radical acceptance. The life of Jesus points back to this major plot twist that happens at Christmas, which is this demonstration of acceptance. For us, I don't know what we need in this Christmas series. You, you and I have our own unique journeys. One of the things I know we would all benefit from is this conversation with God about his radical acceptance of us. And for some of us, maybe based on the families that we will be spending the holidays with, we might need a conversation with God about his radical acceptance of Uncle Fred. <laughs> I, I don't know exactly what we need, what face of this we need. But one thing I know we all have in common is that we need to understand that God is with us, not just for us, not just magnetically pulling us back onto his plan, but that God's desire to interact with us in a particular way is demonstrated in the birth of Jesus that points us regularly throughout this holiday season to this idea that God is accepting above agreeing. And that as we interact with our own humanity, our own sacrilegious desires, our own messiness, that God is right in the mix with us. That Jesus 
little baby Jesus pooping his pants, crying, waking his mom up in the middle of the night, running away when she said, stop, (laughs) disobeying the one, two, three counting business, like messy little Jesus is the perfect example of God joining us in our humanity and not cringing. In fact, relishing. So for us, as this holiday comes up, whether it's just a matter of looking at the baby Jesus whenever he shows up in images, or it's interacting with the Christmas story, or it's interacting with our own sacrilegious, messy humanity, I think the lesson for us this Christmas is that love chooses acceptance over agreement, and it's a game changer. It was a plot twist in the story of God's interaction with humanity, but for us, it's a game changer today as we interact with humanity, but also as we interact with God and that story of Jesus at Christmas. I'd like to pray a prayer of blessing over you as you go out into this Christmas spirit. So if you would like to, you're welcome to just open your hands to receive this. You could also just open your hearts to receive it, but I just want to bless you as you head out there. God, we are your people. Not just the people in this room, not just the people that are affiliated with new life, not just the people that profess any kind of faith. Whether we view the plot line as something to be adhered to or we walk in great intimacy with you from day to day, it doesn't matter. We are your people. We have been lovingly knit together. You have hopes and dreams for us, and they aren't necessarily marching orders for us to go through. You have a picture of this Christmas, and it includes all of the mess. You have a picture of our 2020 year, both as a church body and as individuals. You have a picture, but your picture is one of partnership, not just walking in front of us and guiding us on our path, but actually walking side by side with us and chatting with us as we decide. You have placed skills and passions and desires and experiences, both good and bad, into our beings. And you can't wait to see how we walk it out. You are eager to share your opinion because you're just eager to connect. God, this is a picture of you that we struggle to get in. This is a picture of you that I regularly forget to even ask myself about when I'm sitting in a moment where I'm choosing to accept based on agreement or not. Would you whisper an invitation to us to journey with? Would you tap us on the shoulder in the next few days as we struggle to accept in the moments of disagreement, in the moments of disillusionment, in the moments of the stressful chaos where we have forgotten the purpose of Christmas, would you tap us on the shoulder and whisper an invitation into that journey? And for some of us, we could totally handle assertive friendships. Would you be that assertive friend who invites himself into a moment? Hey, hi, I'm right here. You want to talk? Would you take that initiative in our lives so that we can feel you in this holiday season, that this holiday season would be one marked by the curiosity around our faith and the Christmas story? Would you bless my friends 
we have hopes and dreams for what this Christmas will look like, and I pray your blessing on those things. But the ultimate blessing I wish for them is that they would feel your presence, even if they don't yet know how to recognize it, even if they have a lifetime of experience tapping into your presence, that this Christmas would be one marked by feeling your journeying with them. It's in Jesus' name who even made this bridge possible, this major plot twist. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.